Welcome to the Fragile Not Broken podcast from a rosy place for children. Now here are your hosts, Mark McGill, the Director of Community Engagement, and Teal Bishop, the Executive Director and Chief Visionary. All right. Well, we're just going to start and see where we go. How about that? I love it. I love it. I'm really super excited about launching this podcast um, with your creativity and ability and experience. I think it's just going to be awesome to be able to highlight. That's a lot of pressure. Oh, please. You've been doing this for years. I'm the newbie to the group. Um, But I think just highlighting uh, the work that we've done here at A Rosy Place, the the children, the families, um, what life is like. I think it's um, really important work for us to be true advocates um, to really shed light on this population of children, you know, that we've talked about this, Mark, not... You know, we weren't seeing children survive even, you know, 15 years ago from some of the things that they're surviving from now. Um, major strides in medical advancements with um, the area of prematurity. So we're seeing children, you know, um, maybe struggle their first few years, but then a lot of them are outgrowing that. Um, I, I think there's just so many um, levels it's a, it's a discussion that's complex, and I'm excited to kind of uncover that. I think we've had extraordinary response from our community in order to achieve what we've done here. So talking about that as we move forward, there's just so many awesome topics. Well, and the fact that it's a podcast and it's kind of long form and we can tell the stories. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the hardest part that you and I have both you know, going out uh, to, to tell the story is, is there are so many great stories and, and they're unique stories and we have to be able to tell them. I yeah. mean, and so, um, you know, and you mentioned the, uh, the, the kids surviving, which is amazing. But as you and I were out last week with, uh, you know, Dr. Boomi, who, who was a founder, we'll get to, to, to that and who she is. You know, she said she made a comment that I just thought was incredible that said, you know, kids are surviving, but families aren't. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another big component for what we do here. Absolutely. At a rosy place. I mm-hmm. mean, I, you know, I, I think that it's really threefold, as I've told you before. I mean, it's it's the kids. It's, it's our medically fragile kids. It's the families and the husbands and the wives and the moms and dads. But it's the sibling side of it, too. And, and I think that the podcast gives us the opportunity to uh, to explore all of those in depth with stories from the moms and dads, from the kids, from the siblings, and it just allows us to really tell the story. Absolutely, and I think, you know, um, as I've you know been discussing this topic, let's say like at large for the last 15, 16 years, you know, there are you know there's areas that people just haven't thought about. Um, I've had employers, which I think would be super cool if we got somebody on here, you know, what's it like employing a family that has a fragile child, right? What does that look like? Because imagine if your nurse calls and she cancels, right? you can't go to work. What do you do? How often does that happen? Uh, more frequently than, than um, we would like to see for sure, and I'm sure for the employer too. So there's just a lot of different facets to, um, you know, we always say, right, our, our bullseye target focus is these children that have medical complexities. But um, as we begin a broader reach, we start to see the outer rings, which are, like you said, right, siblings, parents, employers. You know, we see truancy in school. Um, you know, talk about the siblings for a second. Um, 
just just thinking about them, right? They're they're they have daily challenges every day um, when it comes to living in a home with medical equipment, um, people coming in and out for supplies, for nursing, for whatever you know in their home that the typical family does not have. Then they're going to school. You know, was that child up all night? Was the parent up all night? You know, it's just a lot for a, an adult. Um, couple, right, if they're fortunate enough to still be married, a lot for an adult to process. You know, the I remember as a, as a mom of a fragile child, right, it's, it's a level of stress that's um, pretty hard to describe. So as an adult, you're trying to process that, deal with that, problem solve that, figure out how am I going to be the best parent to this child. But as we know, siblings, right, they're younger. They're not ready to process stuff like this. So how are we addressing those children? And they end up to be the just, I've always said this, they're the most gracious children. They're so patient. They're so kind. Um, they see things that, that other, other kids their age don't see. Um, and there's a hundred stories about that, that that I think we're going to be excited to share. I know there's another sibling that wants to come on our podcast and talk. I love that. Um, so I'm super super excited to, to see her come on. Um, so there's just a lot to look forward to in this. Well, let's let's go back then and 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 let's start this. I mean, let's you know for those who may not know what a rosy place for children is, uh, in a nutshell, who are we and and what do we do? So A Rosy Place for Children was a concept that was birthed um, back in 2003. You know, we're now 2021, and we've done a lot of work. Um, A Rosy Place is a space of belonging for children who are medically fragile, um, for their parents to be able to have a reprieve, a break from the care and the demands of um, the needs that their child has that just don't ever quit, right? It's 24-7. We always say when we go out on presentations um, that, you know, we all know the stresses of raising healthy children. It's, it's, I mean, the stress is incredible. I raised daughters. I used to have a full head of hair. Mm -hmm. I no longer do. (laughs) Um, But, but, you know, we, you know, myself, I cannot imagine, you can, you had a medically fragile child, Mm -hmm. but just knowing the stress of of raising healthy children, you then compound that with, with, you know, medically fragile child. um, uh, It's just unimaginable. It really is. It is until you live it. You just have, you know, like most of us, right? You don't know until you know. Right. I mean, it sounds like the most simple statement, but it's really true. You just really don't know um, that saying of until you walk in someone's shoes and, and have those feelings. And you can try to understand and you can try to, um, you know, assimilate with what that scenario might be. And many, many have. But it's different to walk in the shoes. It's different to have the emotions. Um, taking care of Max, um, he, he got uh, a respiratory virus when he was three months old. He ended up in the ICU for over seven months at three different hospitals. Um, I had to quit my job in order to take care of him. I mean, I'm a college-educated person who had a, a good job, but back in the day, right, it was um, 80-20 um, on insurance, and you had to pay 20%. Well, 20% of over a million dollars was still a lot of dollars. A lot of money. A lot of a lot money. Of money. Um, but that's what it took. And, you, and you're willing to do whatever it takes and go into whatever debt. But so at the time I'm facing, right, I can't work because I can't be there. Um, and just literally 
processing and walking through the illness with Max and all the things that came with that. He ended up on a ventilator um, with a feeding tube. They said he would never walk or talk. Um, that was devastating news, devastating. It's, um, and, and it is for any family. Um, all you want for your children is, right, the absolute best. That's all you want. Um, as, as good of a job as you could do is, is what you want to do for them. And so when you're sitting there helpless, right, you have no control over how their illness is going to turn out, um, whether it's an accident, an injury, a birth defect, prematurity, an illness like Max had, doesn't matter. The devastating news of your child is going through some very critical um, moments right now and we'll just have to wait and see if they survive is a lot to deal with especially in the long term so you know acutely when something first happens right you're just fight or flight mode but as time goes on right you continue to kind of ebb and flow out of this acuteness um, awareness of are they going to survive? Are they going to make it past this illness? And so it's a big challenge for, for families. And the majority of them are doing it alone. Um, they don't have a huge support system. I remember my mom even came and she said, you know, I don't know how to care for him. You know, I can't really help you. Um, and I knew right then it was, it was going to be a long road. Um, Before we get too far into the weeds, let's, let's yeah. define a medically fragile child. Okay. Because I think there'll be some terminology as we yeah. go through this podcast that people... So what is a medically fragile child? And then I want to get back to... You tell a story about, about yourself and Max that, that we'll get to in a second. But let's define a medically fragile child for people who may not, who may not know. So when we go talk, right, I always simply say, because um, it's very simply stated, um, a medically fragile child is one who requires medical intervention for just everyday living. Okay, what does that mean? So typically, fragile children have multiple diagnoses, uh, not usually just one. Uh, many of them have some type of machinery or medical equipment just for their everyday survival, whether it's for food, whether it's for oxygen, um, whether it's to check a status of um, you know, their sugar. It's a complex life that requires a lot more intervention um, on the medical side, um, than a, obviously than a typical child, but certainly even more so than a child that might have other special needs or have a developmental disability. So this is kids that may or may not have a developmental disability, but they all have a medical component to their care. Um, and those can be anywhere from cystic fibrosis to hydrocephalic to an uncontrolled seizure disorder, to simply having no um, cognitive issues or delays, but require some type of medical care even for their everyday running around, right? Um, at a Rosie Place for Children, we serve kids birth all the way to 21. So we see, you know, obviously a, a huge variety of, of kids in their age range and certainly their abilities and what they're able to do and not do. But I love that we always, you know, we always push the bounds on, even though um, we provide exceptional clinical skilled care 
for these children. We really are looking at them as a whole child. How do we enhance their childhood so that it's not just therapies and doctor's appointments and you know parents can be excited about something that their child's doing not just living in fear of the next illness or am I going to mess something up and um, so I think that's that's part of the extraordinary side of medical fragility is there really is a child there if we would just stop long enough to really pay attention to what those needs are but it's super hard to do when you're in a critical situation or your child requires oxygen to breathe. I mean, it's a lot It's a lot to carry for families. So that segues perfectly into what we do here at A Rosie Place for Children. We, yeah. you know, uh, parents, we, we're a respite home to, to relieve the stress of, of 24-7, you know, care. Um, but we allow the kids to, to be kids and do things uh, they, they couldn't normally do. And, yeah. and it sounds simple. It sounds when, when we say uh, sleepovers, you know, right. you don't realize it, but medically fragile children, you know, we talk all the time that, that when the kids come for, for weekend stays or, or week-long stays, they want to show us the room. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't realize that, you know, that's a rite of passage for kids to have your friends come over and see your stuff, see your room. Right. They don't get that. Yeah. So, so we're a respite home, so, but we, we allow kids to just be kids and do, do kid stuff they couldn't normally do. Uh, at the same time, we allow the parents to have a weekend, have a vacation, kind of reconnect the divorce rate uh, of, of parents with medically fragile children through the roof. Yep. Um, oh. um, well, marriage know, is hard. Marriage right? is hard. Regular marriage is Absolutely. hard. Absolutely. And, and, so, yeah. you know, life is hard yeah. on it, you know, by itself. And then you add the component of a medically fragile child, and it just compounds everything, yeah. you know. These, these families, these parents, these characters, they're warriors. I mean, they are, they are going in the trenches every day dealing with um, all kinds of issues from, you know, medications to, you know, navigating billing and paying off things and having the time to sleep. And I mean, it's just, it's vast. It's, it's huge. It's an amazing, um, I want to say burden, but honestly, it's really not because, you would do anything for right. your child. And that's what our families say. Like, yeah, it's a challenge, but it's not a burden. It is something that we want to stand up. Um, we want to walk alongside families here at a Rosie Place for Children. We want to be their partner um, in a real and genuine way. You know, really, I, I, one of the philosophies that I love here is, um, what is it that you need as a family and how can we serve you? right? That's very different than your typical business model, right? It's, it's usually, right, here's what we offer, now plug in. And we have done it the complete opposite. Um, and, it's, and it's working so well. Um, it's becoming um, a place of belonging for them. It's a place of inclusion. They have a space where they can go and ask questions, be a part of a broader, bigger community. So we've really allowed this um, facility, right, uh, to become a place for fragile children, for parents, caregivers, siblings, right, that they can really just call their own. And so there's so many magical components to a rosy place. Um, and, I, and again, I'm excited to, to dig deeper into a lot of those areas. I think most importantly, 
Yes, we're allowing children to be children. We're focused on their quality of life. You talked about them being able to do things, right, that normally um, they have not got the opportunity to do or even been asked to do. So one of the really fun parts um, our director of nursing, Mary, has is she gets to talk to families about hey, could your child go through the sprinkler? Do you mind if they have a bubble bath? How about creating art? Or, you know, and you should see the look on these families' faces, right? It's so awesome when they're like, I have never had anyone asked that. It's always about, you know, the CC, the monitoring, the stats, the, you know, um, amounts or frequency of their clinical care. It's never about bubble baths and what's their favorite stuffed animal to sleep with and what else could we do how can we enrich this child's life in such a way and so for them it's a totally unique experience as well right which is really why we've become you know a larger family here we really include parents we feel like we have the privilege of becoming part of their child's life their family's life in a significant and meaningful way and so I think there's a trust that's built there, you know, that, that we engage with kids and they engage back with us and they're so excited to come and, it's, and we're so excited to have them. Well, we're so lucky um, and I've said this before. So, you know, 16 years ago, the dream began, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it, was, it was your dream. I mean, you, we had help and you, you had a community around you, but, um, you know, the reason it was your dream and what I love, I've been here just less than a year, but... Um, I thought I knew a rosy place for children <laughs> through you being friends for, you know, mm. 10, 11 years. And, and, um, but I had no idea. I didn't know anything about the place until I started working here. But we are so fortunate and so lucky um, because you built this place with, with help, but intentionally, deliberately mm-hmm. through. And I say this all the time, and, and, and it, it just cannot be said enough. You built it through the lens of a mother with a medically fragile child and and when i say that that you've thought of pretty much darn everything you i mean you just haven't and we're so lucky um to to have somebody who's lived that life uh i've said that before i mean we've we've got many great organizations you know in in not-for-profits in this town but i don't know that we have anybody who's really just lived the life that you lived with Max. Um, you know you know what it was like. You know what you've been through. You know what you needed at the time for not only Max, but for you. Uh, and then when you had your, the, the other kids, you know, Sam and Gigi, I mean, you, you knew what was needed um, and we're sitting in it, which is pretty cool. I know, it's super cool. It well, really is. Thank you, you know, for all your kindness. But I, and I still say this and I mean it wholeheartedly, it really is a privilege to be here. I did not realize when you start, you know, when you talk about the level of detail, you know, a parent of a fragile child has no other option but to have the highest level of detail. You can't forget something. You can't measure something wrong, or it could be, right, um, extremely detrimental to your child. Um, That's not you know, that's not something that you're willing to take lightly. And so I realized as um, Mackenzie Max started to outgrow his fragility that um, I, I just, I started pondering, how am I going to use this for better? 
if, if Max ends up outgrowing um, his medical condition, what is it that I can do um, for all the families whose children aren't going to outgrow that? If I did anything less, then um, I wouldn't be doing Max justice. I wouldn't be doing my circumstance, my experience justice. I would just keep it to myself. And that wasn't really an option for me. So for me, it was let's build something extraordinary. Let's do something that nobody's ever done before. And I mean, okay, as a kid, right? How many of us as a kid, right, could dream, so, hey, we should do this and we should do that. You know, like remember the lemonade stands, we were all gonna you know, be major entrepreneurs. And, and most of us, right, never got the opportunity to do that, right? We went and we found our own journey and our own path, but it wasn't something typically that you can just create and then harness enough support around you to make it happen and that's what happened here is people started hearing the story um, Boomi you mentioned earlier Dr. Okunlami I met her early on she was Max's physician remarkable extraordinary woman who has mentored me um, for years and uh, we have a great relationship and so we just started telling everybody about what we wanted to do and that's really where it went um, the level of detail back to that here um, it's so important. It's so critical. It's critical in our lives, right? We care about which color we select, right? We care about the firmness or softness of our mattress, right? We care about what sheets look cute or maybe not, right? Or we want something more neutral or we just, we make decisions. I wonder how many, you should probably Google that. How many decisions do we make in a day? Oh my gosh. It's got to be thousands, right? It has to And be. we don't even think about it. And a lot of them are poor. Right. <laughs> Hey, 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 now, now. Well, talking about well, me. As, as we get older, right, you hope that those decisions improve. Um, so being here and looking at it through the eyes of a mother, I really had no, honestly, I had no formal training in this, no idea what I was doing. I just knew to do the next thing. I knew to make the best decision with the information that I had, and I just wanted to see this come to fruition for so many families. I had no idea this journey would take me, um, you know, 16 years here now down the road talking about, you know, scaling or replicating or franchising or, you know, there's a thousand terms for it. And I'm quickly learning those as, as most, th most things for me, it was trial by fire. Average person and makes 35,000 decisions in a day. See, he looked it up. <laughs> this is, this is what I'm dealing with here, people. This is Mark for you. Yes. So 35,000 decisions a day. Yeah. I, I must have made 34 for here, I think. Um, but it does. It, be, it becomes really important for the environment that they're going to be in. It needed to be welcoming. You know, I, I say this all the time because um, I, I dare, you know, um, any parent to say, right, oh, yeah, I need a break, so I'm just going to drop my child off at an institution so I can go hang out with my friends, right? Never going to happen, right? Nobody's going to do that. So I said what we really need to do is provide an experience for their child where their parent goes, what an awesome opportunity for my child to go to, to engage in, right? And that's been part of the magic of here is that it is a gift. It's at no cost to families, and it's never going to be, at least as long as I'm here. Um, and 
they have enough to deal with every day. They don't need to be figuring out how on earth could I possibly pay for an opportunity for my child. That's our job, right? Our job right. is to harness enough support um, to navigate and figure out how are we going to get some federal dollars for this critically important age group. You know, we see respite. We've talked about respite on the other end of life, right? As parents are aging, um, they don't want, you know, to see their parents go into a nursing home and certainly Medicare doesn't want all of the responsibility, financial responsibility to see that happen um, as, as adults age. And so they've looked at ways and figured out dollars on how do we support um, people who want to keep their parents at home and take care of them. And really when you look at the definition of that, um, there's something called the Lifespan Care Act where it allocates federal dollars to that um, uh, aged population of respite. Well, when you look at the definition, it's the same definition for that we potentially use like for our children, right? It's the care is relative, right? The supervision is relative. The needs are relative, but we just haven't done much about children yet. And so I think, you know, part of the plight for that is what are we doing for children? These children specifically here how are we elevating them? How are we bringing them out into the light? Because, folks, I'm going to tell you right now, they're in every community, in every neighborhood. Um, another phrase I love that Dr. Okunlami always says is genetic illness does not discriminate. And boy, is she right. It affects all economic levels. It doesn't matter what neighborhood you live in, city you live in. We have medically fragile children all across our country but we may not see them very often. And why? That's because it's extraordinarily hard to move your child about when they're, you know, got medical equipment hanging off of them. And how are we gonna plug in somewhere? What if we run out of a battery? So we, they just don't do a lot. And we wanna change that. How do we integrate them and give them a space where they can go and be free? And that's kind of what we started here. Tell us your, uh, your Max grocery store. Story. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is great. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not, but but this is this is the life, the everyday life of a parent with a medically fragile child and yeah. one who is. Uh, I use the term stubborn. <laughs> in your, I, in your term. I like to say determined, Mark. Thank you. In a you. loving way, but right? somebody who's determined, Very determined. To, to to do it themselves. You you took Max when he was little with all the tubes yep. and, the, and the the bells and whistles yep. to the grocery store. I, I, I was missing an ingredient. I wanted to cook something, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't. And I said, oh, my gosh, no way. I'm not going to just not do that. So let's go. And so we packed up his ventilator and his feeding tube and his backup equipment because if something happens, you don't have time to run home and go grab that, right? You have to have everything with you all the time plus your backups. Um, and so I loaded him up. I loaded all the stuff up. Um, I went to the grocery store. I bought my one item. Um, I loaded him back up. I got home. By the way, I lived five minutes from the grocery store and um, took me just over an hour to get the one item. For one item. For one item. And so, uh, needless to say, I'm determined, but I'm not dumb. <laughs> so, I did not do that very often again because uh, it was just, yeah, it's, it's But too that's much. the life of what we're talking about. Absolutely. That's the life. Of a you know of of a the parent of a medically fragile child a child who has a med, you know needs a medical intervention or yes. a medical component for everyday yes. living and it's something that we don't realize so so when we talk about the stress 
mm. of, of raising a medically fragile child. That's one angle of it. That's Just some of the stress. Just one. There you, is so exactly. many angles, right? Um, there are um, amazing families who have shared their stories with me, and they are all unique. They are all different. They all have a different perspective. Um, and through this podcast, right, we're going to hear their stories of courage, um, how they've um, overcome right? Whether they still have their child with them today or whether they don't. Um, and a lot of them don't. And that's, that's tough. Uh, but they've done great things with it, right? They're, they're just an extraordinary, these parents are extraordinary. The stories are extraordinary. Um, I know um, every parent wants the best for their child. And these parents are no exception, regardless of the struggles that they may face and continue to face. And so to me, they're why you and I get up every day. We hit it hard. We work very hard, as you know. Um, and it's worth every minute of it because they're worth it. Absolutely. They're absolutely worth it. And the stories are in just, I, I just can't wait to share some of the, you know, and not from my mouth, from right. theirs, right. right? From the simplistic things of having a friend, being asked to do anything with anyone, um, school experiences, um, home nursing, stealing food out of their freezer when they were sleeping, challenges of getting medical equipment. I mean, just there's there's a lot of detail in that, but then there's family and there's life and there's so many extraordinary things that happen to them. And they're just amazing because they just keep at it every day. It's an incredible population of, of people and I'm proud. Well, that kind of brings up my next point that I was going to say when we were talking about, you know, the dream 16 years ago and building a rosy place to what it is today. And we're not done. We'll get to that in a minute. But um, it wasn't easy for you. And I think that that's one of, to me, in talking to you and, and, and now working here, having the privilege of, of walking through these doors every day, um, you had the determination. You just had, you were just, this was going to happen. And, and you fought like, like the parents mm -hmm. fight, you know, to, to make it through every day. Mm -hmm. um, even after Max outgrew, thankfully, his medical fragility, um, to get a rosy place to where we are today, <laughs> it wasn't easy. I mean, and, no. and I'm sure there were many days like parents where you thought, oh, it's just not worth it. I'm just, um, uh, you know, but, but you kept going. And, and, and how you got through you know, the, the conversations with banks and with donors and with board members. I mean, it, 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 it really is nothing shy of remarkable. It really is. Thanks. I appreciate it's that. It's true. Um, yeah, it, it was, it was um, very challenging. We had many seasons of, you know, great and seasons of struggle. Um, and, you know, it's funny, though, I, I look back and you always say, right, we're so fortunate to have a mom who has done this leading the charge. And, and you're right, not because I'm extraordinary necessarily, but just by having a mom's perspective. So also something that I look back on now, which was so great, was I had no clue what I was doing. Right. No clue. So, I, you know, th that's one of the stories of hope that I want to give other people um, as I move forward, you know, in my life and career and whatever it is that I end up doing is, you know, the ability to be that tenacious and not know what you're doing <laughs> can be a really remarkable recipe for some amazing things. I remember it was my first year. It was, it was 
supposed to be my first big ask, but I was so scared. I was like, there's no way I'm asking this guy for money. Like I'll go meet him, but it just doesn't feel right. Like <laughs> I always laugh because I always say that the things that I hate, the two things that I hated when I was little growing up was asking for anything because I'm determined, right? Want to do it all on my own and I can do this. Stubborn, um, stubborn. And no, <laughs> I heard that. And speaking in public. And so now I giggle because I have to do both at the same time. Every day of your life. And I (laughs) still dread it. Um, I'm still scared. People are like, no, not you. I'm like, yep. But anyway, I I walked into this. It was was like my first, he was my first, I think, billionaire that I had ever met. It was my first year. And I decided I'm going to walk in. You know, I, I had to take my keys. So I walked in with my keys. And he just kind of stared at me like, what are you doing here? Because I didn't, I guess, have 55 pieces of paper and folders and business plans. And I mean, we had all that. Yeah. And I could always get it to him if he had any questions. And I, you know, I had studied it enough that I knew the answers. But I thought I just need to go in and and just talk to this guy. And I remember very respectfully, he's, you know, he's, well, tell me what you're doing. And so in short, I told him and and I said, and sir, with all due respect, I am going to do this with or without you. But I would sure <laughs> love it if it was with you. And he sat down and he wrote me a check for $25,000 and I never even asked him for a, for a cent. So it was, you know, but because honestly, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, it was do the next thing, right? Just keep taking that step. Um, find the people who can help you to build you up, to give you the knowledge that you don't have. Um, I was here four to five days a week during construction for two years. I am not a construction manager, <laughs> just in case anyone's asking. Um, I had no idea about building and concrete and um, all of the things that you end up finding yourself in. But I knew how I wanted it to be. I knew what I wanted it to look like. I could understand regulation and make sure we were complying with it. But it was all those things, that whole process that just continued to educate me while I was doing it. And so I always had something to talk about. I always had to go to donors and, you know, here's what's going on. And and honestly, I was genuinely always excited. We right? just poured the basement. Yeah. Like, <laughs> do you want to see pictures on my phone? They're like, um, it looks like a big concrete square. I'm like, I know. And there's a whole building going on top of this. Yeah. But um, the whole construction process was awesome for me. It that was, should be a podcast it in, really it, should. in itself. It really should. It was so, so neat. And, wanna, and we're going to bring the builders in on the podcast and get oh, their, their take yeah. of dealing and with you. Subs, and the, the subs. The subs, you know, like, Miss Teal, yeah. I don't know about 47 <laughs> colors. I'm like, trust me here, trust me. You know, but here's my quick favorite story about that is I had a guy who was a pipe fitter. He was in the pipe fitters union, and he was doing um, some of the work here in the basement and connecting it to upstairs, which is where all the kids are. And he said to me, do you mind if I bring my, my two daughters this, this weekend? I want them to see what I'm doing. And I said, well, absolutely. Any, you know, go ahead, please, bring them by. You know, more than welcome. And he said, well, it's for the first time I feel like I'm not just laying pipe. And I thought, and you're not. Yeah. And, I, and, and, and I knew I had told the story enough to every single person that worked here, that worked on this physical building, and there were hundreds of them. I knew that by telling them what they were doing, by telling them the importance of their work, regardless of whatever that work was, that it was going to do something phenomenal for thousands of children and their families. 
I just thought that's right. That's just right and smart because then they're going to give me a hundred percent. I mean, I just, I just believe that, right? right. You're going to get so excited about what we're doing here that you're going to, you're going to have, you're going to do a better job and therefore I'm going to have a better building to do all of the amazing ideas and creations that we're going to have over the next, the next years. And sure enough, right. That's exactly what we got. I mean, this place is unbelievable it is. it's every day i walk in it's unbelievable it's gorgeous as we get set to wrap up the the first podcast i want to i want to touch on that as we sit here today 16 years since the initial dream mm. um is it what you envisioned is it is it beyond what you envisioned it, I, I mean kind of you know from your perspective again this mm -hmm. this was your dream and you had a lot of help in in, in making the dream come true but but as you first came up with the concept of a rosy place for children, and here we sit, and, and again, we're not even close to being done. We, no. We've got a huge future and, so and an exciting, bright future, which we'll get mm -hmm. to in, in future podcasts. But as we sit here today, as we're downstairs in the executive offices and upstairs as a, as a house full of kids mm -hmm. um, of all shapes and sizes yeah. and, and, you know, is it what you had dreamt it would be or is it far surpassed any expectations you had? I think that as far as this amazing, innovative, beautiful space that we all get to run around in every day, it's everything that I imagined it to be and nothing less because I literally got everything that I wanted. We put it through every um, angle we could from parents to donors. You know, I, I, it's incredible, and I thought it would be just as incredible, to be honest with you. But what I wasn't planning, what, what has surpassed, um, and, and even still, like, I know that it's coming, so I'm still excited, because I know that we talked about building this as a model, you know, but are you ever really going to get there? There was many days where I thought, we're never going to get there. So, and I think we're now we're now there, right? So I continually am surprised by the love of A Rosy Place for Children, by everyone who comes in contact with it, how it excites people like nothing I've ever seen, how people light up. I love that still every day. The where we're going is so exciting. Um, I don't know that we can really, I don't put a lid on it anymore. Right. I don't say this is where we're stopping anymore. Um, I think we have so much work to do and we have harnessed so much support and encouragement from the broader community and other states. We have, we have donor, donors from every single state across the country already. I think where we're headed is, is kind of unimaginable, but I'm, I'm, I'm sort of jumping in, but I, I am. I'm always kind of feeling like I'm behind the curve. I always have been because I feel like the success of here just keeps growing and compiling and the building blocks that were laid when we started construction in 2007 compared to where we are now in 2000, right? Every, it's almost like every five years it builds upon the next five years. So what we have done and the things and the people and the organizations and the culture just in general, the impact that we've had is, is so remarkable that I'm so excited to talk about each one of those aspects because they all deserve their own, their own moment. They're all an amazing story. 
Yeah. It's just a great place, and it's, it is a privilege to come to work here every day. I am equally as excited for the podcast to share the stories because we have some great stories we that do. need to be told. Absolutely. And as you mentioned, not just from our mouths, from, from everybody involved, yeah. to just kind of give people who are listening uh, a, a real good snapshot of what we do here at a rosy place for children. So Absolutely. today was great. Thank T- you. This was awesome. awesome. And I so appreciate you. I'm so excited to go on this journey with you. Yeah. And it's just going to be super fun. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, is. it has awesome. been already. And we're just getting started. Absolutely. Uh, Thanks, so my friend. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being you. Uh, thank you to Rhonda Spalding, our inspiration in life and the executive producer of our podcasts. Absolutely. Uh, we can't do this without her. She's um, awesome. She really is. And, and this uh, first season, I can't I can't go, right? Um, you'll be hearing more about this too, but this first season that we've had yeah. is something and something that's new, this new innovative sort of concept on transformational giving we are in our first season starting september one of the power uh, yeah of power power of the season and this season um is the schwartz y camp foundation and they are powering our first initial season and our first initial year and more about that to come but i absolutely wanted to say thank you to them i always do because this season is powered by the schwartz y camp foundation we will get into the 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 nuts and bolts of the power of the season which is just again goes right along with with the amazing things that that we're doing here in yes. a rosy place and, and how we're, we're changing, changing lives. I mean, Absolutely. not just, you know, kids' lives and, and families' lives and, and siblings' lives, but our community, uh, our community's the lives. The non-for-profit yeah. world. The, so, I mean, so many areas. So uh, many in, areas. The, in the near future, the next couple of episodes, we'll do the Power of the Season podcast, maybe bring in Julie Schwartz and, and, and get her involved as to, oh, y- you know, why, why they're doing the Power of the Season, which is innovative. It's, it's, really groundbreaking yeah. um, as far as, as transformational giving goes in the not-for-profit world. Mm-hmm. Um, just you. one of the many yeah. exciting things, you know, that's, that's going to be the problem with this podcast is we could go for four hours. Know. You know, we're going to have to but just But we're not. Stop. i got to cut you off. <laughs> we're going to have to stop. Very and, cha- he's very chatty. <laughs> yes, he's very it's, chatty. It's all me, folks. As you can yeah, tell, uh-huh. it's all me. That's right. We're going to start counting words and see at the end <laughs> of the uh, 43 minutes who gave, had the most words. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all of your support. Um, and uh, thank this, you, everyone. I really appreciate your interest. Thanks so much. The uh, the first of, uh, of of many storytelling podcasts as we go down the journey here of uh, fragile not broken. The podcast from a rosy place for children. Teal Bishop, I love you. Thank you. Love See you, you more. Bye bye. Bye. That was another edition of the Fragile Not Broken podcast from a rosy place for children. If you would like more information on the great work that we do, please visit our website at a rosyplace.org. 